It's time for the View in Your Mirror podcast. I'm Katie Harms, and along with Lisa Rubin, we help you check in and curate the best possible you and the best view in your mirror. We share tips, tricks, and strategies from our 35 plus years in our respective industries. We talk about your day from morning to night and everything in between. We share our uniqueness, relish in our shared experiences. Along the way, we share conversation with fabulous people who give us their own thought-provoking insights. So come along as we help you hone the best view in your mirror. Lisa Rubin, we're back at it. Katie Harms, yes we are, and I'm quite excited about this episode. I can't imagine why. Who's our guest? Our guest is Allison Fanger. She is a costume designer for the film industry, and um, I, I have so many questions. My head is spinning. <laughs> I can tell that it's, you know, wavering a little bit when I look at you, like you're not quite a bobblehead, but, you know, spinning around would be spinning around would be an excitement. Well, all of the things that she has done and built this career around and we get to watch on films and series and, you know, all the different ways we watch TV now, right? She's created these characters because of their clothes, a lot of them right? Like when you look at the characters in the film, the way they're portrayed, a lot of it has to do with how they're dressed, however that may be. And that's what I do. You create characters? I create characters. I don't create characters. <laughs> I, I No, I curate a wardrobe for I all curate. of my clients who, guess what, are characters. Yes. And mm-hmm. many of the times they are putting on an act for what they're doing for a living, right? And even if they're, yes, putting on an act or they're on stage. They're on so stage. It might, come, it might come very natural to them and being looked at accordingly. Right. The view in their mirror. The view in their mirror. And just as we watch movies and TV shows, we don't even really realize the implications. But how many times have you watched something and thought, oh my gosh, that's the cutest blouse or, oh those earrings or, you know, there's, I think there's probably sites devoted to where you can buy the clothes from TV and movies. Yes. It's starting to become even more popular. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have, we have a lot to talk to her about. What is interesting to me is that, you know, she designs for all ages. She's doing, she did 80 for Brady. She did Grace and Frankie, Frankie and Grace. I always get it back. Grace and Frankie. Frankie. (laughs) I always get that wrong. And not only does she have to look at personalities, but she has to look at what the body types are to make it work, right? Like you can size up someone immediately and say, this works for you, this works. It's an innate ability you have. Well, it's been honed over 40 plus years of doing it. And so she has something so similar, right? That she does in that industry. But I want to take five minutes and talk about trouble spots with you. What in the world do you do to enhance or cover some of the trouble spots that we all have, and they may be trouble spots to us where no one else really sees them as such, but it's it's something worth talking about. For example, as we age, who was it? Nora Ephron had said something about, I love everything except my neck or <laughs> something. I can't remember the book. What is it about the necks as we age? And how do you, I don't want to use the word camouflage because, but maybe that is the best word to use. Well, first of all, Everybody has their quirks 
And as we age, our quirks just get more intensified is what I have found. The neck is a, is a place that as women age, they notice that. And there are things you can do. Camouflage, I don't know if that's the best word, but there are things to do so that you, when you look in the mirror, you don't notice it. Because let's be honest, when you're talking to someone, someone doesn't come up to you, start talking to you and think to themselves, oh my God, her neck is so wrinkly. Like Exactly. That doesn't really happen. But in, when you look in the mirror or when you're in your car and you're driving and you're putting some lipstick on, what is the first thing you do? You look at your neck and go, oh my God, I just can't stand that. I feel you know, like a chicken. I feel all of those things. Well, I suppose you would have to be stopped at the side of the road. However, if you're putting your lipstick on, you're not driving. <laughs> well, I've not, I have seen videos of you doing oh. both. I have okay. not. That is not true. <laughs> Anyways, an S stop sign would probably be the best idea. But there are things you can do to make it feel better for you. Okay? Minimize the effect. How's Minimize that? the effect. Of course, there's lotions and creams. And I have to say, there is some out there that I think actually do work. But that's a different podcast. Oh, Here you're going to leave that teaser out there. You better give a brand real darn quick. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that right now. But, <sighs> but what I am going to say is here's a couple things you can do. A crew neck top is not the best for someone who is very concerned about their wrinkly neck. A collared shirt, a V-neck. And if you're going to do a V-neck top, put a necklace of some kind right at your neckline. In the winter months, women that love to wear turtleneck. They're great. They hide the wrinkly neck, but just make sure that there's a little bit of looseness about the turtleneck at the top by the chin, because if it's really, really tight, that skin has to go somewhere and that's going to make you uncomfortable. Not to mention the, I I don't know about most 60 some year old women or whatever age, but the regulating of the body temperature. I find (laughs) when I have a, a turtleneck on when I, I mean, I need to have skin showing or I'm just overheating. I agree with you. That is a problem. So you probably don't see a lot of women as they age wear turtlenecks because they're too hot. Mm. But if you prefer to wear a turtleneck and you aren't having hot flashes, I would just make sure that it's not really, really tight. That will bother you. But the bottom line about all of what I'm trying to say to you is it's how you view yourself in the mirror. It's not how other people perceive you when it comes to your neck or the wrinkles in your face, that's a personal thing. And also your hair type and your hairstyle and how you wear your hair also can help with how your neck looks. That makes sense. So it's not just your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) As Katie's putting all her hair around her neck. So, so it's a combination of all of the above that can help with the appearance of that. And then there's cosmetic surgery. Right. And I think it goes back to what you originally said is no one walks up to you and says, oh, there's Katie. Wow. Does she have flabby arms or whatever? You know, that is all within ourselves. If that is something, if that's a very real concern for us, as I age, my chest seems to be getting larger. Yes, that happens. I never heard this. I heard it was your nose that keeps growing in your ears, not your boobs. I mean, As a matter of fact, you know, I've helped a lot of young women who have had breast reductions and I do tell them, I just want you to know as you start aging and when you go through menopause and they look at me at deer in headlights because, you know, that's so far off to them, they might 
increase in size. So I just want you to be aware of that and not get concerned about it when it starts happening. It poses some interesting, again, it's why you have to kind of keep up, keep up on your wardrobe, right? Because I'll pull something out and try it on. And it's like, why does this not look good anymore? Because it's pulling across the front. That's part of aging is the body changing. And the body's changing. Exactly. I mean, I had a client last night I was talking to and she's like, oh my God, Lisa, you have to come over. You know, I'm in menopause now. And I mean, I look like a brick now. I never was looking like a brick. And all these clothes, <laughs> that's what she said. I look like a brick. That's an interesting description. You know what? I know exactly what she means. And she said, and my boobs, oh my God. And, and she said, you just have to come over and tell me how I can wear all my clothes. And if I can't wear them anymore, I'm getting rid of them. Because I don't like the feeling I get when I put them on. I love the clothes. I love how they look in my closet but I don't like how they feel on me. And you know what? To me, that is the most important piece. Again, pants. You can go shopping and there's pants galore everywhere. And if you don't know the proper style that will look best on you and the different designers and how they design the pants, it can be very frustrating when you pull 10 pants and you go in the dressing room, none of them fit you. It's not because you've gained more weight. It's not because you might not look good. It's because you have to know the proper fit for the pant. So, you know, all of these factors you have to take into effect for your outfit you're going to wear for the day. Menstruating, you know, you get bloated. So don't pick your skinny pants to wear for the day or your dress that you can wear when you're not bloated and put that on and then go about your day because you're just going to beat yourself up all day long. And that's going to be in your head. What I'm really hearing, and it comes back to the age old discussion that we have, or the advice that we give is everything in your closet needs to comfortably fit you. That makes it a whole lot easier when you go in in the morning and face whatever the day is throwing at you or whatever your body is throwing at you. So the products in your closet need to be well-appointed and your closet needs to be well-appointed so you can find the things that you want easily, pivot if you need to, and get on with your day. And the biggest thing I'm hearing through this conversation is have humor and be kind to yourself. 100%. And one more thing I want to say is it's also the combination of the wardrobe you're going to put on. So really think about that. I mean, if it's, you know, a lot of women will go shopping and they'll see a jacket. Oh my God, I love that jacket. It's the cutest jacket. And they just buy the jacket. And that's the jacket that sometimes ends up sitting in their closet with the tags on it because they have no idea how to wear the jacket and what to wear it with in their closet. So think about that. Think about coordinating pieces. And when you're having a good day and you're feeling good about yourself, try your clothes on, look in the mirror, make outfits. That's a great idea. See, I think you and I are considered a little weird <laughs> because when I have some time in the day, I love to clean out a drawer or reorganize a space in my closet. You like to try on clothes and make sure everything works together. No, uh, let's be clear. I do not do that. <laughs> Personally, I do not do that. <laughs> Really? No, never. But I, I practice what I preach. Right. From the beginning, from the get-go, everything is, you do it seamlessly. You move things in and out. Right. But I don't go and buy that jacket in the store that I think is really cute unless I know it has a place in my wardrobe. Mm -hmm. So I've always practiced what I preach. Yes, as do I. And I don't know how normal we are in that. Well, what's normal anyway? But hey, look, it's done well for us. It's brought us here. 
It's brought us to have great conversations with women and some men who have really done an incredible job of curating their best view in their mirror. And I am super excited that us two Midwestern grandmas get to talk to the woman who has coined the term coastal grandma. Let's see if we can get some advice from her, shall we? And share some of her hints and tips and tricks. Yes, I, again, am very excited. And I want to give a little information about who our guest is. I think that would be fabulous. So Alison Fanger is best known for her work on the popular Netflix series, Grace and Frankie, starring Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Sam Waterston, Martin Sheen, Brooklyn Decker, and June Diane Raphael. Her costume design on the series has earned her multiple Primetime Emmy nominations, as well as several Costume Designer Guild nominations. Allison's work on the popular series has not only won her recognition amongst her peers, but has also had a seminal effect on the culture of style at large. Allison's vision of these characters, who just happen to be of a certain age, has been lauded in the press as inspirational, empowering, transformational for viewers of all ages. Allison has been credited with bringing the notion, as well as the visual psychology of truly ageless style, into mainstream media. Her attention to detail and natural ability to create multi-layered textural characters of every age has drawn a huge following for the style elements and costuming achievements on the series. She's best known for Gracie and Frankie, but recently she's also done Shrinking on Apple TV, 80 for Brady, the movie that's out right now, and Act Your Age on Bounce TV. We are so excited to welcome Allison as a guest on our podcast. Allison Fanger, we are beyond excited to have you on. And uh, first of all, yay to Minnesota girls. Yeah, I know. I'm happy to be here. I love my Minnesota roots. And I always talk about my Minnesota roots. And there's actually like a good, there's actually um, a small, not even small, a pretty substantial group of costume designers that come from Minnesota. It's odd, like Star Tribune, who's that columnist that does like the gossip or the pop culture column? Oh, you, Allie, Allie Kaplan? No, she starts with the C. She's been around forever because she was there. CJ. Yeah, she did a little piece on us. We all got nominated for Emmys in the same year, three of us, all from Minnesota. Wow. So were you born and raised in Minnesota? I was born in Minnesota. And then my parents' family moved to Chicago and then back to Minnesota um, when I was like five. So Minnesota is all I really remember growing up. My parents were both from the East Coast, actually, and transplanted there because my dad was in the food industry. So he was with like um, Pillsbury General. Sure. So that's why we were in Minnesota. But it was an incredible place to grow up. So you graduated high school in Minnesota? What was your first job? Out of high school? I mean, out of college? Did you have a high school job? Yeah. Oh, I always worked. I worked from when I was like 14. I worked at the Bagel Nosh when I was 14. I think that was my first job, slicing bagels. And then I always did restaurant work. Oh, no, actually, I worked at Bridgman's in Hopkins. Do you remember that place? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I worked there as a waitress. And then I waitressed a lot, actually, kind of just kept that with me. I liked working. I liked having my own money. I, li- I just liked working right away I started like so young and then just kept it up I worked all through college waitressing just waitressing waitressing waitressing. then I traveled a lot after college I traveled I wanted to go somewhere far and different I knew that that was my opportunity before I put down roots or started a family or 
a job or anything. I wanted to get out and see the world. And that was really formative for me for what I do now. And I mean, I, I draw from it still all the time. I was, you know, in my early twenties and I went to India, Nepal, Indonesia, spent a month in Bali, Thailand, hiked the Himalayas, you know, did all of that, um, traveling and really saw the world. I was just like, I'll never, I just wanted to do it then. And, and also I knew my money would go further if I went to those places in Europe or something, you know, everybody's going to Europe. And I, I did that and I did that for like a year and it was incredible. That was an incredible experience, life-changing. And, um, and again, like I said, informed my job so much because I am able to pay so much detailed attention to geography and, you know, socioeconomics, geography, you know, culture, light, like, architecture how all of that informs you know how someone exhibits themselves through through clothing you know how they dress themselves all of the minutiae details like every little thing about that just became so embedded in me when I was on my travels because everywhere was different even though it was all Southeast Asia for the most part there are just these subtle differences depending on where you go um, that are just, just for me were so dramatic. And, um, so I did that. And then when I got back from, I was about to turn 24 and I was like, okay, no, I went to London. I lived in London for another year after that. Um, and waitressed, and I was trying to get work in London, some kind of real work, but I couldn't during the time it was like, I couldn't because of the work permit stuff. And so I was like, okay, I, I need to start my life now. I'm like about to turn 24. And like waitressing in London is really cute. Like up until about 24. And then it's like, not so cute. <laughs> So I wanted to go. So I came back to Minneapolis. I didn't know what I was going to do. I lived, I was like working I moved back to my, my parents, which was like, you know, how to do that. But my, um, I was um, just kind of really good friends. It became very good friends. I used to hang out at the new French bar a lot and became really close friends with one of the people, Hala Bommet, who was a bartender there. I met her there. She's a costume designer also and works in LA and we're friends and she does This Is Us. So she's amazing. Oh. Um, and she was a bartender there. And like, I just kind of, then that was where all like the photographers and the artists hung out. Um, and I kind of, you know, became friendly with the art community in Minneapolis, which is quite vibrant, always has been. And I um, I became fr- really good friends with this one photographer, com- uh, advertising photographer. His name was Gus Gustafson. I don't know if you guys know him. He was quite famous in Minneapolis, Minneapolis at the time. It was like 90s. It, people called him the nightmare. Uh, you know, it's like, he was great. He was so, he was like, he just became a really close friend of mine. And he, I was the one night I said, what am I going to do with my life, Gus? You know? And he said, you should be a stylist. And, and I was like, what is that? I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> I was like, oh, what is that? He said, oh my God, you got to come, come to one of my shoots, work with Molly, who was his stylist at the time and see what, how it goes for you. See if you like it. And I did it one day and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I should be doing. There was no question in my mind that that was the right thing for me. Uh, From there, there was also quite a big, um, there was a moment in time when there was a film happening in Minneapolis, if you remember. Remember, they actually sought it out. Yeah, it's too bad it isn't still there as much, but it brings in such a good amount of, uh, you know, industry and money to the communities but right. and I was able to get on because I liked doing I liked what I was doing but I didn't love advertising because it wasn't character you know especially at that time now advertising is maybe a little more artistically exciting but at the time it was like 
that's a really great care pair of khaki pants. Like I, you know, like very like road, <laughs> you know, they wanted everything to feel accessible and not to make it a statement in any way, which is like completely not what I'm about in general. So I, I, I'm at, I was like, this is good money. It was good money. I was making really good money, but I wanted to do stories and I wanted to be part of the narrative and the storytelling process. And I got so I, I was able to get hired on a couple of films that went there, was in Minneapolis, Equinox, uh, Alan Rudolph's Equinox was there. I was PA, like the lowest man on the totem pole there. And I met this costume designer, Sharon Davis, who's incredible costume designer. She was designing Equinox. And she said to me at the end of the run where I was her PA, she's like, you need to come move to Los Angeles, come move to Los Angeles. I was like, okay. So I moved to Los Angeles. She, she's very much my mentor. I don't know if you know who she is. She did like Dream Girls, Ray. She's got Oscars. She did The Watchmen. But she really mentored me. I'm so fortunate to have met her and have her as my mentor. So I moved to Los Angeles. She got me, she had me working as a PA and then you have to get in the union. The union is a whole thing, but she got me in the union. She called the costume house, said, you need to get this person in the union. I worked at the costume house for six weeks, got in the union. Then she moved me up through the department. I worked in every single position in the department, which is so important and also is so beneficial to me now. You got a broad base. Yeah, I understand what all my team is doing and it makes me a really effective leader for my team and they really appreciate it. I get good crews because people like to work with me because I understand what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like that, and that is huge, just perspective and being able to understand like, this is what your job is instead of being like, why aren't you doing that? You, you know what I mean? So anyway, and then she kicked me out the nest. She's like, you got to go now. <laughs> you got to go, you're, you're ready. And that was kind of how I... Started. Oh, and then I, then I wanted to, I just had that. I mean, I never in my whole life up until I was 30 was like, I wanted to get married or have kids. And all of a sudden I was like, I need to get married and have kids. So I did that. (laughs) And you fit that in. (laughs) Yeah. And then I stopped working for, I didn't work for like seven years. I didn't think I was going to go back. I really loved being a mom. And then I was the biggest Halloween overachiever of all time. <laughs> I can't. What were your kids' costumes? Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask that question. Incredible costumes on my kids. Like every, you can't even imagine. And they were just so detailed. <laughs> I had like a rack in my garage filled with Halloween costumes. And I was just like, I'm annoying. What am I doing? So, and then I kind of, so then I like with old contacts, people called me like, would you do this little thing? And I kind of went back slowly. And then, you know, I, I have to say what I love about you is your, your whole energy is very relaxed on this. Like mm-hmm. it takes time, but you've had the patience and you've put the work in. You haven't come out thinking, oh yeah, I want to do this. I'm going to go there and it's going to happen. You've worked Mm-hmm. systematically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you, but it sounds you've also been very open and flexible. And then you, you spoke what you wanted to do out in the universe. And that kind of helped you too, a little bit. A hundred percent. And I feel like kind of like, I believe that so strongly. I always have been that way. I will put my mind's eye on a goal in my future. And just every single decision that you make every day, even if it's little, will point you if you keep your mind on your goal, even if it's just like in the back of your mind, it's always there and it informs every single little decision and every single little decision makes a difference. You know, it's like that sliding doors thing. That's exactly how I operate. 
Mm-hmm. And we actually talked about this on a past podcast on, yeah. you know, what I do, what Katie does. Yeah. I actually write them down in a little piece of paper and I put it in my wallet. And every morning I look at it because then I'm speaking it out in the universe and I make my goals for the year. That's how I've run my business since I started. So I do what you do, only I do it for executive presence for my clients. Just it's not for film, right? Yeah. But I create and I curate wardrobes for my clients so that they have the best view in their mirror. That's where this whole podcast came from. It's been fun to learn from her. We met in a closet because I am a living spaces specialist. So I work on spaces to make them function to their best and highest use. And I'm looking at your beautiful backdrop of your home and I'm just salivating because it's so gorgeous. And I need you. I need to areas. This is the best part of the house. Like I've got other areas. <laughs> well, we can we can talk offline. We can yeah. talk offline. Uh, so, if you weren't doing this, what do you think you'd be doing? I don't. I don't think there's anything else I would be doing. That's that's my same answer. Yeah, I really. This is just. I'm so fortunate to have found what I am so passionate about doing every day, and. It, for me, it really works. I was a very ADD kind of kid. I was never like a great student. I was like, you know, the frustrating kid that was smart, but didn't pay attention to school, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and I just like, I need all the, I need it to be different every day. I really admire people who can do that. They can actually have every day, you know, they work from the certain time to a certain time every day. And it sort of is a you know, it's routine. Like I don't, I just know that I, I would be the worst at that. I would have no energy for it, you know? So but, like, but you must have to be, so you're working on a project. Let's get into that. You're hired for shrinking, shrinking. which we're just so absolutely. <laughs> oh, that is with. the funniest series. Like <laughs> I, know, I love it. I it's some of it's laugh out loud. Yeah, it's absolutely. So, so you're hired for shrinking. Yeah. And do you, I want to know about the process. Do you come in knowing who the actors and actresses are? What's the, the yeah. information you get in order to do your job? Yeah, what I was going to say is like, every day is different. That's what I love about my job. Some days are really intense and some days are like, well, every day is really intense, but they're always different. That's the point. And so it keeps me like excited. Absolutely. Um, so when I get, um, so with shrinking, uh, when I, when I, when I went in to meet for shrinking or Zoom meet meet for shrinking, um, I I knew Jason Siegel was involved. I knew Kristen Miller was involved. I knew it was Bill Lawrence. I knew it was Apple. And for all those reasons, I really wanted to do it. Um, and I was actually still doing. I was finishing up eighty for Brady at the time, so it was a little bit of a intense time period for me when we crossed over for about a month or something. But I knew it was worth it. You know. Um, you know, getting up at six, getting to a set one set at six in the morning and finishing out my day at like nine o'clock. At night. Like it was like that for about a month. Insane, but worth it. So I, I started then and Harrison Ford came on um, during prep, like like just a couple, like a week before we started shooting, two weeks out before we started shooting, something like that. You know, every product is different. Some, some come in with cast, some don't cast until the last minute. Sometimes you have almost all your cast and then someone else comes in. I mean, we start with boards. I usually do boards. I do boards uh, before meetings, just based on the script. Some some projects will show me, will send me features. Will usually send like a like a kind of their their um, their deck, which is like their what they're planning visually for the for the overview of the of the of the project. Um, 
But sometimes with television, like they don't tell you anything. You get a script and you have no idea what their frame of mind is for how they want to shoot it or how they're planning to, um, what, where do these people live? Like there's a lot of information that I need to formulate my characters that sometimes I don't have. <laughs> so sometimes you're kind of going blind in these meetings, but um, I, we do, so it, it, at the very best, it usually becomes just a conversation about each character and you go through each character and talk about so, ideas. So this is where I get into, mm -hmm. as you call the magic of the details. Yeah. So when you're creating the character and you're deciding, you know, what their clothing is going to be for each scene, Mm -hmm. how do you base your decision or what is your process for that well it's all about the writing for me so and the and the character and what motivates them and what what their uh state of mind is that day what are they going to do that day you know what what are they depressed are they happy are they going on a date are they you know it's like all those things this is all in the script it's all in the words and it's just it's what informs you know but do you think about, let's say, the color first? Do you think about the style first? Like, well, I usually have a palette, a general palette for each character. Like with Grace and Frankie, their their palettes were quite defined. Um, they were, you know, Grace was very neutral and cold, you know, <laughs> especially in the beginning. Like she was like, I said, like she's like from black to white and everything in between it's like cream beige camera right right just like very like pottery colors kind of um and then um frankie was like the sedona sunset <laughs> you know it's a great description that is a great description yeah yeah so that was go, like a very go back to something you just said that i don't want to miss you said it's all in the script, it's in the words. So you read every script. Oh yeah, oh my gosh. Yes, totally. Um, yeah, so I'll make a board. I mean, ideally for each episode. So I have my characters and then I'll adjust the characters depending on the meeting or who's cast. I mean, sometimes if I don't have cast yet, it, cause a cat, like a, an actor also informs elements of the character like say i have an actor who needs to be a like a whimsical person but they're not that whimsical as a person like a, a truly whimsical person they bring their personality with them you know even in within the context of a character so sometimes i'll pull back or have to add according to what an actor themselves brings to that role do you know what i mean to get to where the showrunner and I, or the director and I want that character to be what note, what note we want to hit with that character. So I do big fittings. My first fittings are always long, two hours, you know, um, I try to, and then I, it's like constantly tweaking. So I see what's working at the beginning of a show or a film. I'll do two, two hour fittings with my main people. The first one is always, let's figure out your body. Let's figure out what works on you. Let's figure out, um, where the set, what I was just talking about, like how far do we need to take this? How much do you already add? Do we need to bring back? Do we need to add more? You know, the second fitting becomes about finessing those those notes. Then I send off photos and I get feedback. I get I'm pretty pretty now. I, I it's pretty good now. People kind of leave me alone, which is great because too many notes is too many cooks. You know, sometimes they just like 
want to note you to the point where like you do come with like I start with a vision and it you get too many notes you just end up with diluted so on your vision boards yeah. are you already like pre-sourcing the actual clothes or are you going to design the clothes or is it a combination of both the combination I usually I think one of the main things I do is I figure out where where is this person shop where would this person get their clothes I start with that because that makes it real. And a lot of times I have a, a muse, like a real life muse for a character. Like, I'll be like, this person is like a lot like my brother-in-law. I see this person dressing like how my brother-in-law dresses. So I'll just keep that person in my mind's eye as I think about brands and as I pick things up. Because even when I'm out shopping, sometimes I have to go back to that baseline because if I'm out in all the stores, like I'll, I'll usually spend the whole day shopping when I shop because then I'm out the whole day. So I'm at a lot of different stores and sometimes you get lost, like, oh, this is nice. And then you go, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That person wouldn't wear this. I have to really come back to my character baseline point and my boards and I keep my boards with me. My boards that we've talked about and we've finessed and edited and we have a clear vision. I have to keep coming back to it. And that's how I make it. That's how I maintain these really pure characters. You know, like they really, they feel real. They're textural. They're real. We all know people that we can relate to that we see in them. I think like Saul was really fun in that way. Like I got him like camping stuff. Cause I felt like they all went camping when they were younger. Like I would get stuff for him at like Cabela, you know, <laughs> um, because I felt like that was real. I'm like Patagonia and that was a little person to me. So you're, you're helping them build their brand within the character. Yeah. I get, I get a lot of actors who say that to me. They, I, the, the, thank you for helping me find my character. Thank you. Because and what, you. and what I've noticed watching a lot of your films and series is that you're able to tell the story with the clothes they have on. Yeah. And for me, that is like, wow, because that's what I try to do with my clients is tell their, story. tell their story, whether they're in the boardroom or they're doing a large speaking engagement somewhere, mm -hmm. they still are going to be telling the story of the corporation or whatever they're trying to talk about. Exactly. And That's so exactly. I really noticed that like 80 for Brady when I was watching the movie, I mean, mm -hmm. the outfits, oh my God, <laughs> they, were <laughs> they were like, like, I was laugh out loud with a few of them. I mean, so spot on. It was when I met with the director for 80 for Brady, he was like, I don't want it to look, I don't want them to look like Grace and Frankie. And I was like, I don't want them to look like Grace and Frankie. I just did that for 10 years. I love Grace and Frankie, but you know, it's fun. It was so fun to create so different look characters. I mean, her cowboy boots. I mean, and come on. The Patriots boots. Oh my God. I had those made special for her. Cause she, you know, she's older and <laughs> she had to do all that movement. And, she, you know, I, I wanted to make sure, and she was concerned about having stability and she had to do all that dancing and everything. And I was, we kept trying all these different boots. And I was just like, I'm making you boots. We have to make boots because that's the only way we're going to be sure that you're going to be okay. So this place in Texas made those for me. I think they made those for me in like a week they turned those around they were wow. fantastic and I mean Rita Moreno's outfits yeah oh my god but like for example the jewelry that you chose I mean is that jewelry that you designed or is that jewelry that you found because it was so perfect for each outfit it's all combination I wouldn't say I, I absolutely do one thing or another with anything I'm really about the jewelry I love the details I think details are everything. So I, 
even if I have a look planned out, I always bring jewelry in for the right for while they're getting dressed, a, bu a bunch, a whole tray, and then we see what works. But I'm really, I'm really into jewelry. I always have been for my very first commercial that I did, that I did in Minneapolis. I was just like, jewelry. Details just like, because they're so personal. They add so much depth of character. You know, it's like those little minute choices that people make that just are so informative of what's important to them and their story. You know, have a lot of the actors wanted to keep all their clothes because they loved what they yeah. were wearing. Yeah. Yes, they do a lot because <laughs> they, they all it, they all look so good. I mean, even if it's super casual, yeah. it still looks good on them. It's like a changing. Like there was a lot of like there's a lot of accountability that has to happen with the purchasing because it's like the tech will be purchased by the studio. Um, and so there's always the accountability factor. It's like, and it's gone through, I've been doing this for so long now, it's gone through all these different incarnations. Like when I first started out, it was like, oh, just give away everything. And then it became, we have to account for every single thing and someone's gonna come check, you know, that you have everything in these boxes. And then it became this thing where things were sitting in boxes for 10 years and nobody's touching them. And then that became ridiculous, you know? So it's sort of, a, and now with the sort of like a consciousness about repurposing and sustainability, um, th things are changing again. Like we're trying to repurpose and reuse or, or yes, or I'll be like, let's let them take this. We're not gonna use it. And they'll can bring it back if we come back or if they, we don't, you know, what, what does it matter? I'm working or on what it. about what about putting some things out for auction for charity and having a bid site where if somebody loved it they could go in and bid on it I know we talked about that at the end of Grace and Frankie and it just became a thing and it's it's always studio dependent it's just the studio guidance they just didn't want to do the it's work it's work for somebody right they right. didn't want to deal with it I kept some stuff like they wanted to get rid of everything on End of Grace and Frankie. We had a huge sale. It was nuts. We had a huge sale. I kept like the really significant archival pieces, but we had so much stuff. Oh my gosh, after eight seasons. And it and it was sort of freaked me out at first. I was like, what's what's happening? Like all these clothes, like like they're so like every piece I picked out every piece personally, pretty much. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my babies. But then I, I was, and then, but then I saw everybody on the crew wearing the stuff around with a wrap in the wrap days. People were wearing all these different pieces from the show and it gave me so much happiness. I was happy that people were wearing it and enjoying it. And it wasn't going into a box to just brought away. But I have a lot of those pieces. I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet because um, they were sky dances and then sky dances wanted to get rid of them. So I was like, oh, I'll take them. So I don't know yet. I just got them. <laughs> I'll let you know. Oh, well, you've got a lot of opportunity and a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a quick break okay. and we're going to be back to talk more. We want to hear some fun stories about favorite actors, actresses, things like that. Okay, great. Stay tuned. Are you ready to elevate your jewelry and gift buying experience? Then you need Continental Diamond. Since 1981, Helene and Jimmy Pessis have been operating Continental Diamond. Their staff is highly trained, exceptional, and have been with them for many years, and they will help you find the exact right gift. For the past 13 years, Continental Diamond has been named Minnesota Bride's Best Jeweler. Beyond engagement rings, they have a large selection of fashion jewelry, timepieces, and they have one of the most experienced service departments around. 
You can visit them online at continentaldiamond.com. Go in and give yourself the gift of that experience. It's a special place located just 10 minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, right outside the West End. Plan your visit. Continental Diamond. Continentaldiamond.com. We are with Allison Fanger, a costume designer, originally from Minnesota, based in LA, doing all sorts of amazing things. You may have heard of Grace and Frankie. You may have heard of Shrinking, which if you're not watching, you need to be on Apple TV. 80 for Brady, which was just so fun. Truly fun, Allison. What was it like working with those characters? Oh, so fun. And so fun because I had just done all those years with Jane and Lily on Grace and Frankie, and it was really fun creating new new characters with them. They were so opposite of their characters from 80 for I mean from Grace and Frankie. So Jane and I had the best time just in her fittings. I mean, we kept being like, this isn't Grace, <laughs> not Grace. <laughs> and we put, she wanted to wear butt pads and I had butt pads <laughs> on her jeans. You can barely tell. She's so tiny, tiny. You can barely tell the butt pads are there, but I could tell they were there. If you look closely, you can see that. And, you know, she was just such an over-the-top, like, ticky-tacky kind of trash-tastic character. Trash-tastic. Yeah, I, I love that terminology. <laughs> yeah. Trash-tastic. The complete opposite of Grace. Hansen, who, you know, was so controlled and tasteful and thoughtful in her choices of how to be the most safe and muted. And so that was really fun. And then Rita had done a small part in Grace and Frankie. So I had worked with her before. She is the best. She is so funny. And so, I mean, look at how she moves. Oh my She is, God. she, if I were, if I am correct, she's 90, correct? Or in her 190s. She's 90. She's a force of nature, that one. I just, My I just, favorite line in that movie was when they were saying, well, it is 80 for Brady. And she says, well, not everyone is in their 80s, which, you know, and then and then Sally Field says, no, I'm 75, you know. And so just that that little, <laughs> I was like, did you see the, the thing you said back of the jerseys where we crossed off? This yes, I love that. Loved it. Yes. Did that for Sally because she kept being like, I'm not 80. <laughs> I'm not 80. She didn't realize she kept saying that. So finally like, okay, we'll, we'll make it, we'll make it a thing in the movie. So um, it was really fun. It was, and then Billy Porter and, you know, the poker game with all those like. Oh, that, that scene was was fantastic. And I, what they were all wearing. So you created all of that, right? Yeah, I had, okay. Well, Billy Porter, I think I got him speaking of casting, which I think we talked about before. I, you know, I think they told me they were get, trying to get Billy Porter, but they didn't know if they were going to get Billy Porter. I had about 24 hours to pull his looks together. Wow. It well, was, you nailed it. I know. He looked so good. I was so happy. I was so happy with how he looked. So, and I have a really great team. Like they help me. So I'm out there by myself, just trying to find it. You know, I have people helping me, which is amazing. Um, and creating those jerseys and those became a whole thing. And you know, the bedazzled jerseys and oh, it was just like such a fun project. And everybody that for my career on that, we, everybody just, it was, every day was just fun because we all were enjoying what we were doing. Um, so and- do you own the licensing? Like if you come up with the design, the bedazzled jewel, the jerseys, for example, is that owned by you? Unfortunately, no. This is an issue that uh, Customers Always Guild is addressing right now. It's intellectual property, basically, IP laws and copyright laws, which are owned. We sign a contract that 
says that we are a work for hire contract when we start a job, which means that they own our work basically. It's an issue. Interesting. I was that, just that is, that is an issue. I was just in DC with a group from 84 Brady, Harry Hamlin, me, Don Giliotti, the producer, um, and um, the the president of distribution at Paramount. We all went to DC. It was sort of like a awareness like awareness exercise for you know DC and lawmakers and congressmen to um, understand copyright law and IP law. Because it's a, it's, it's like a, it's an, an issue right now. So yes, I don't totally, it's probably boring, but I don't totally own my own designs and it is an issue and our guild is addressing it because. Well, of- good. I, I, I hope that changes because I think it is your vision. It is what you created. And there at yeah. least should be some sort of a cooperation in being able to use that. Yeah. Especially when it's monetized, which it is by a lot of the studios. Like when um, Jenny Bevan did uh, Cruella and Disney made this whole clothing line uh, based on her designs, but didn't, didn't um, even didn't take care of her. (laughs) They didn't even consult her. Not only did they not consider her or give her credit, but they didn't even consult her. So it was just kind of like bad, (laughs) you know, and it just became, and then it, but it made them money because they, it was off the, it was off the marketing of the film so it's an issue it's a changing issue just like all things right now things are changing faster than people can keep up with how to keep up with them yeah so what do you want your legacy to be well I think I I have my legacy is happening I'm really my legacy is my characters and you know I get to make this art with these incredible visionary writers and they're telling these amazing stories and I get to be part of that process and that is my legacy and I also I feel like learning how to tell the story just like we were talking about before in women's everyday lives is another thing that I am focusing on also because I get women talking to me all the time about how they don't know how to express themselves through the way they dress and I really am trying to teach people how to boil down the essence of themselves and find out what's important to them and learning how, and I have a process for it, you know, cause I have a process I do with characters that I feel like can apply to women in their real lives. So it's really about telling your story. Like in the Oscars the other night, um, Laverne Cox was doing the red carpet and she said to every single person, what's the story you're telling with this look tonight? You know, because that really is, cause like when you're telling your story, you're feeling your best. That's exactly, exactly what I say. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm interested in that as part of a legacy also, because I think like Rice and Frankie was kind of groundbreaking for a lot of women. They thought, oh, I feel like I could never dress like that. And it's like, yes, you can, if that's what you want to dress like, or that's what you feel like. Exactly. But you still want it to look right for them. And we, Lisa and I have talked about this so many times about, well, you know, that's a younger look, getting rid of that language, right? That language has to go. Yeah, I and had someone it- ask me in the, like in the very early, in the early days of Grace and Frankie, someone asked me, like a second season two, who do you look to for inspiration for these characters uh, on TV already? And I was like, television or film, and I was like, they gave it a minute, and this was a while ago. And I was like, there are, were, are no, there was no one. There were no seminal over 70 women on television as lead characters at that time. It's a little different right now, but at the time it was so new. And um, I never thought about their ages when I conceived of them as characters. I only thought about who they were as people. 
And that was blowing people's minds. And I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about they were old. I just thought, what story is this person telling through how they dress? Well, and I think we all we all have examples of people who are old before their time or not. So that word old, we had Artel Giorgio on and she's just delightful. And I said, define old. She's an MD. She's done a lot. She also has three daughters in the three daughters club. We asked her to define old, you know, and really old is it's a state of mind. So what you two go for, Lisa, you and Allison, is how to help people be present their best view in their mirror, their best selves. And I help them in the background before they get there. So everything's looking good so they can walk into a room and be real excited about what's happening there. So it all gels together. It's really your environment, which includes the clothing that you have on. And yeah. that doesn't have an age. Exactly. And you know, it's funny. I had just have, a, I had a, one of my best friends just had a significant birthday and she was having a bit of a crisis about it. And I just said, you know, I look at every decade as an opportunity to reflect and keep with me what I still like in my life and get rid of the rest. And as we get older, we, we gain more knowledge. So it's really just a gift of knowledge to know what works and get rid of the rest and keep what works. So I was like, it's a gift. I have no issue with it. I think it's just about paying attention. So true. So true. So if you were in a movie <laughs> or if, if, if your character was portrayed in a movie, who would play you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Never been asked that question. Who would you like? Yeah. Who would you to like play to play you? Or would you play yourself? Can't imagine who would play me. I mean, I get a lot of Sarah Jessica Parker. I do get a lot of that, but I think it's because of Carrie. I mean, I get a lot of that, but I don't, I can't see her playing me, I guess, maybe. Maybe um, a little, maybe a little Julia Roberts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking that I was thinking that Katie after, you know, talking on the podcast here, I'm like, who would play? Who would be good? <laughs> I, and I thought of Julia Roberts, too. Oh, good. I like that. OK, let's go with her. OK, we'll go with Julia. <laughs> we'll go with Julia. Who knows? We'll put that out. In the, you never know. You never know what's what's to come. Have you ever <laughs> thought about writing a book about your experiences? I am doing a book. Oh, you are. I'm doing a book. I am, but it really is more about what we were talking about. It's about the method of finding your true individual style and, def and defining uh, the, the, the expected types. You know, it's like defining the types and then talking about how within the types to find your uniqueness. Because are you finding it easy to write or are you finding it harder to write because you're having to break it down in words rather than doing it every day visually? It is, it is challenging because I, it's something that comes, I think the biggest challenge to me, it's, it comes so second nature to me that breaking it down is hard because I don't understand why everybody doesn't understand it already, you know, because. Well, if mind, everybody understood it, then they wouldn't need you to write the book. <laughs> exactly. So I'm really trying to break it down because I think because it was so seminal for people, Grace and Frankie really like blew open people's um, view of what they could do with themselves. And I thought, you know, this is interesting. It's interesting. I didn't know I was doing it, what I was doing, which was really opening up people's perspectives on how they can dress themselves. And, and it's about like rule defining, basically just throw the rule book out because that's just not where you're going to find yourself because you're listening to someone else. 
you know? So that's what, that's what I'm writing about. And it is a process. It's like a method. And so I went, I was an anthropology major. It kind of starts with, it's almost like an archeological or anthropological method of dressing yourself. It's like, it's like finding yourself. I I can relate completely with what you're saying. (laughs) And I also have a method, but it's very hard. And that's why I asked you that question, because Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to write a book about my years of doing what I do, but it's so hard to break it down in words when it, it comes so natural for me to do my job and I have confidence in what I do. Mm -hmm. And I start writing it down on a piece of paper and it's like, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's, that's why I asked the question. It is hard. I have, I have a helper. I have someone helping me because it's hard. And also I get really, really busy. I've been doing it for so long. We'll see what comes of it. Cause I get so busy and then I can't do anything, you know, because I'm on a show or whatever. Right now I'm not on a show. So I've been doing some good work on it. Well, we've always called Lisa's clients called her, call her their secret weapon um, because she up until doing the podcast, she's really been in the background, but I know her tips and tricks and having worked with her, I'm chuckling. We're all three sitting here with a white shirt and a black, black, black over it. So <laughs> we've all got our little bit of a uniform on for, for the podcast here. Mm-hmm. There's just so much more that I can't believe we're out of time. There is so much more that I want to talk to you about and ask you and that we'll have to save it for another day. Who knows, maybe a collaboration. You and Lisa should at least have a conversation with what you, what you both do. And in your busy, busy life, we're so excited that you got a chance to join us. We're going to take one quick break. We're going to come back, talk about the nonprofit you brought forward, and then we'll wrap up and let you go. A little insight on working with Renee and her team at Renee Keller Interior Design. We have put together a team and a process that has been honed over 13 years to create beautiful homes with intentional beauty. We're storytellers through somebody's home. Our job is to take all the information from what a client wants in their home and bring it to life throughout their house. When you walk through their house, it should feel like them. It should have a kindred spirit about them. It should reflect their life, not ours. And so when we are designing, we are personally designing it for each and every client. To explore working with Renee Keller Interior Design, go to ReneeKeller.com. Allison, once again, thank you so much for being with us. You have brought forward a nonprofit called Lady Rethinker. Lady Rethinker. What brought you that direction? Well, I'm a huge, huge animal lover, animal advocate, and nothing upsets me more than animal cruelty. (laughs) So I think there's, you know, so many animals all over the world who are not treated with care and love. And I just like her message. For those who are not informed, and I was not until you brought this forward, which is what we love, Mm -hmm. ladyfreethinker.org, transforming the way the world treats animals, their voice of compassion, working to end cruelty to all sentient beings. Together, we are evolving towards a world where human cause suffering is a thing of the past. And we hear stories all the time and it is heartbreaking. And so I'm really glad you brought this, brought this forward. Thank you so much. Last question before we go, do your daughters take wardrobe advice from you? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's funny because I didn't really, people always ask that question, especially when they were little, I will let them go wild when they were little. They are the pictures of them when they were little are the best. They're so funny because they're terrible. 
because I just let them very, I just let them do whatever they wanted. I thought that was important for them to find their own expression when they were younger. I was like, yeah, go for it. Where are those leg warmers over those tights with that headband, you know, like they literally wore the craziest outfit. It was a mess, but now, um, but cute at the time, but looking back, we're like, oh my gosh. But now they all have very distinct personal styles themselves. And they do, they do send me pictures and say like, is this good? Is this good? I do, but uh, I try to let them be them as much as they can be, but definitely I do give them advice. As we are all mothers, I think I can say the little bit of background and research I've done on you, all of our children are our pride and joy and our number one reason for being, and we drop everything for them in a heartbeat. And I don't think that will ever change no matter their age. And happy to have you join us as a fellow Minnesotan at heart. Yeah. And uh, as I said in the beginning, us two Midwest grandmas learning a little bit more of your coastal grandma <laughs> tips and tricks. So happy to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is really fun. It was great to meet you guys, really. Keep, keep doing what you're doing because you will. you do extraordinary work. Thank you. The magic and the details. I love those four words for you. Can't help myself. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> perfect. Right. Absolutely perfect. Thanks, Allison. Thanks so much. Well, Lisa, what a fabulous energy Allison has. Fabulous energy. Fabulous. I mean, you just want her to keep talking and the confidence she has, but in such a kind way. And I, I'm sure if you asked her the question, which we didn't ask, but when it's really not worked for her. No. And that's how I feel about it when I'm working. Like mm -hmm. it's not worked for me. And so mm -hmm. she found her thing mm -hmm. and boy, is she good at it. Absolutely. And we get to enjoy it too. That's the wonderful thing. Yes. We enjoy what you do, but um, not, we don't even realize we're enjoying it in some cases. Right. <laughs> that's, that's Unless somebody that, walks that's... into a room and says, you know, uh, the credits do not roll when somebody is at a board meeting. <laughs> the credits do not roll. That's, that's a good one, Katie. I got to remember that. Yeah. I mean, I always right. tell the story. I don't even know if I've told it on the podcast before, but I, I had this one client in particular that she wears Jennifer Tatinelli leather jackets to all her board meetings. She has them in different styles, different colors. And she called me and she said, if one more woman comes up to me and pets me, I'm going to lose it, Lisa, <laughs> because she's not an approachable woman. But because mm -hmm. of what she's wearing and how it looks on her and the confidence it gives her, she becomes approachable, right? And I said, and she said, I never realized that women would pet me. And I, I just laugh every time because if you knew who it was, you'd think, wow, you know, that that took a lot of guts, but not really, because the clothes we're wearing creates the energy around us. Bingo. Yep. I, I will uh, look forward to hearing what the future conversations you have with Allison are. I hope to have some. I think it would be really fun to talk about everything. We both have yep. many years of experience. You sure do. Well, Lisa, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? They can go to my website, wardrobeconsulting.net, or they can email me at lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. And I am at katieharms.com is my website. Katie at katieharms.com is my email address. And we are reachable. Uh, the viewinyourmirror.com has links to us. It has more information. It has the listing of all of our podcasts that have dropped. It has the listing of all of the nonprofits that we're so proud to spotlight. And we know that you have choices. So if you are listening to us and you would take a moment to rate us, like us, share us with someone, find us on LinkedIn, another great source. Keep in touch. 
We love to hear from people. We love ideas. We love the feedback. And we know that you have a lot going on in your busy days. And we hope that we help you to be the best of you in your mirror. Until next time. Thank you.